0: Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy.
1: When you think of Copenhagen, Denmark, you're probably thinking of historic, colorful buildings lining the canals, or possibly the Little Mermaid statue that sits just in the water off the shore. You're probably not thinking about a foodie's paradise. If you're a fan of oysters or want to visit the world's best restaurant, or one of the city's 15 Michelin star eateries, this is the place to visit. Considered one of the happiest places on earth, Copenhagen values eco-friendly living. Today, we sit down with Peter Peterson, the Managing Director at Villa Copenhagen, to discuss how hotels can implement best sustainable practices. And what better way to see the city than from its harbor? We will also be speaking to Kasper Aichroma, co-founder of GoBoat, a solar-powered sustainable boat rental company. Architecture, music, good eating, and the simple uniqueness of Copenhagen, or why it made our list of favorites. And after today's episode, we hope you will add it to your travel bucket list as well. Welcome to this episode of Destination Everywhere, Copenhagen.
2: Welcome everyone to Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil, along with my partner, Todd Bloodworth, and we are so excited to bring to you today one of our favorite cities in Europe, Copenhagen,
1: Denmark,
2: one of the places we've been many, many, many times. And there's a reason we've been there so many times. It is such a great city and it is a great city because it is compact and you can do a lot in a very short amount of time. And if you're looking online and you see the photos behind Todd, it's one of the most beautiful cities in Europe with all the colorful buildings. And great, great, great food.
1: Todd, what are your thoughts? And what what you're describing, what you see behind me is it's Nyhavn. And Nyhavn is a a place, it's it's probably one of the most photographed places in Copenhagen. So I'm sure most of our listeners have seen it. But they also call it the world's longest bar because at the bottom along the waterway, it's all bars and restaurants. In fact, we did a group dinner at a restaurant right along it one time. And it was probably some of the best food I've ever had. It was absolutely amazing.
2: And then the thing about Copenhagen is it is a great walking city because it is so compact. You can do so much in such a short amount of time, and you can also see it from the water, and it's a completely different experience. So I think it goes on the very top of people's bucket list that are packing across Europe. You You have to stop in Copenhagen and experience it and it's very easy to get in and out of. The airport is right there, so you can jump in and get straight into the city and it really has a great
1: feel. You know, and there's a couple other things I don't know if people know about Denmark's capital city, but it's one of the leaders in the world for sustainability. They have really pushed to create an environment that is sustainable whether it's wind power, solar power, and this has to do with their their vehicles and their boats. So you'll see it everywhere and you'll notice it everywhere.
2: Yeah. And you're also going to hear a lot about that from both of our guests today about sustainability and their businesses and how they use it. It really is part of the culture there, which is just fantastic.
1: And they're also the world's happiest people that live in Copenhagen. And that's according to the World Happiness Report. And they say, you know, happiness is linked to many things, but they cite social equality, community spirit, education without tuition, public health, and apparently they're doing something right. But we have a lot of great guests and we're going to go in into a little bit more about Copenhagen specific, but we're going to be back in just a minute with our first guest, who is Peter Peterson. And Peter is the managing director of Villa Copenhagen. So we're going to get his perspective. Amazing new hotel. Amazing yeah. new hotel. We're going to get his perspective on the hotel side and find out, you know, kind of what his guests look for and what they can expect if they go to stay with his property. So stand by and we'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Destination Everywhere. I'm here with a very special guest from Copenhagen. We have Peter Peterson, who is the Managing Director of the Villa Copenhagen. So, Peter, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you. Great to be here, and thank you for having me. And Villa Copenhagen, of
1: course. We're going to talk about the philosophy of of your property in a second, but tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you come from, and how did you end up at the Villa Copenhagen?
3: I'm probably one of the, you know, one of the old school coming from the kitchen through the restaurant and made myself up, added some studies along the way, uh, became hotel general manager the first time in 99 in Stockholm, uh, Sweden, with a company called Radisson and ventured then out in the world, Hilton in Egypt, went to Asia with them, opened a hotel or a resort for banyan tree in China. Fantastic went from there straight to Nigeria, Africa, with Intercontinental, opened a nice Intercontinental in Davos, Switzerland, uh, for the World Economic Forum, and spent three years being on my own as a self-employed consultant to the, to the industry. Until I was discovered uh, or somebody thought it was a good idea to bring me home uh, for the opening of this one uh, here in Copenhagen. And uh, I never thought I would come back home again. Actually, I think my mom gave up hope also.
1: (laughs) We should mention that you are a Dane. So your entire career was outside of Denmark and now you're home. So that's kind of what he's referring to if you're listening. And it doesn't feel good to be home, I guess, close to your mom. You know,
3: Denmark is a fantastic place. And with the destination I just listed for you, the comparison is even more striking, of course. I mean, I'm happy to say that I think Scandinavia is probably the most safe.
2: Especially the happiest place to live, right? It's Especially the happiest place to live in the world.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and we're spinning a bit on this in the, in the hotel concept, which I'll come back to. Uh, we've seen a lot on CNN and BBC about the Happy Danes, despite the tax burden and the heavy showers and all this, we are still okay.
1: And you're being so close, you know, just right over the bridge from, and Andy and I talked about this earlier in the show, you know, you have Malmo on the other side of the bridge, which is, it's different, but it's the proximity to you guys is absolutely wonderful. It's cool to get kind of both feels, but Copenhagen is amazing. And for people who have never been, it's so historical and the architecture is amazing. The the people are amazing, the food. And we're going to ask you about some of your favorites in a second, but your hotel has a philosophy of sustainability. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: So we've converted an old central post admin or mail administration. We are sitting in a building that, or I'm sitting in a building now that is inaugurated the first time in 1912, 22nd of September. So actually the building turned 108 years, two days ago, and it's uh, 390 rooms, 25,000 square meters. I know you do footage over there, so kind of multiple that, <laughs> like nine or ten and then you're there more or less. So it's actually a huge property. And we thought we wanted to have a boutique hotel kind of feel to it. So how do you do that? And how do you create that anticipation of something that is rather more intimate, a bit more casual, a bit still luxurious, but still just raising the expectations of something more individual. And we thought Villa was a great way to do that. People immediately will think about something that is smaller than 300. Yes, absolutely. That's what I think of, absolutely. And we wanted to spin on that a little bit and we were back and forth and some people were saying that's because I just spent three years in Italy with Villa Borghese, Villa Pamphili and all these things in Rome. And, and yeah, there was maybe something there, but I, I thought it was very important for, for us not to use the hotel word. Because we wanted, there are many hotels here. We have Radisson's, we have local chains, we have Marriott's, we have Had Hilton's. So, so you have the usual palette of international or, or regional operators. And we thought we wanted to try to set ourselves apart from all of that. And and kind of redefine some of the the principles of luxury hotel uh, industry and so on. So to call such a big villa or big building villa, well, we thought was a was a pretty naughty start actually.
2: Yeah, and you and you have a uh, you have a philosophy of conscious
3: luxury. We have tell us about that. Yeah, so conscious luxury is actually our way of in a Danish way defining luxury. Maybe it's more. The expression less is more, you, you, your plate might not be overloaded, like some places that we're around where you guys are living. <laughs> that doesn't mean we don't get enough to eat, we do. But <laughs> it's about building a luxury hotel in a world where we don't really need more opulence, we don't need more, over, you know, like that. So how do you go about that? And I think the the biggest carbon footprint savings story we have is actually the conversion of the building itself. Exactly, that, yeah, not building from the ground up, absolutely. The footprint would have been, I, some engineer calculated it for me roughly, and he said more than 80% more of what you have done today, You know, so more than almost double of what you've done today. And then, of course, trying to add all this technology inside, starting from we have a, a, a lapping pool, a, a rooftop lapping pool, which we can heat up to 35, 34 degrees Celsius, And up to 90% of the energy used for that uh, heat uh, procedure is coming from excess heat from our centralized cooling systems. And then, of course, I found out that sustainability is very much in everybody's mind here. It's something you have to have some sort of a strategy around, a strategy document around to engage with the right level of customers and, and, and professional companies like Medical and pharma industry here, other big operators, so that they check that you're doing things right, and you check that they're doing things right, and then over and above that, it became very obvious to me that the young people that we want to employ, they want to be part of an employer who is doing things right, or at least showing some attempt, some serious attempt to do so. So it was both a branding story to go out with, and it was an employer branding story, but it's also just the right thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And tell us a little bit about, are you in one of your rooms right now? If I am. I'm, 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 in, a, I'm in, a, in a corner suite right now, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what in the room
2: kind of plays into that conscious luxury.
3: I mean, some of the outfittings, we've done a very classical uh, interior design here that replicates a classical upscale Copenhagen urban apartment in the classical older buildings, a centennial building. We put in old herringbone floors because they'll literally last forever if we treat them right. Oh, beautiful. We've done, of course, some designs in the furniture that has a very Scandinavian feel to it, but we've not gone overboard. We don't have any extreme coloring that are out of fashion in 18 months. They have to redo over and over again. Yeah, we built a hotel with 300 rooms, but only about 20 bus stops. So we don't have the luxury of bus top. We don't think that people really check into a hotel just to sit in the bus stop. So we'd rather have a nice uh, shower. um, Yeah, much easier to control the water The water usage as well with that. And then just just down to some of the nitty-gritty, you know, we are not putting on top of the minibar two plastic bottles of mineral water saying this is complimentary of the hotel. We put a little brass tray with uh, two glasses and a carafe, and we have a little note in the room saying it's actually okay to drink the water from the tap in Copenhagen. So go ahead and do that. If you want to Fishy water. There will be a bottle one in the mini bar, but that makes a lot of sense. And that's just some of those things are just conscious luxury for us.
1: That's great. That's great. So Peter, what are some of the experiences that you've, if you have the discerning guest, what do you guys do or what have you done to kind of go over the top to make their experience amazing at the property? Do you have any examples of where you've got a picky guest and and they've just asked you for something that you don't know if you could deliver on, but you do anyways?
3: We try to be very personal in our approach. We have picked all our staff in a recruitment procedure where everyone have had three interviews and the last one was with me. And pre-corona, we were at 180 employees, uh, which is quite big for, for Copenhagen when with, with such a heavy payroll burden as we have. Now, this is a longer answer to your question. So we probed all the staff on the conscious luxury part and asked into their own philosophy and what they do at home to be just a little more sustainable than maybe the average Dane, And above all, it was very important for me that everybody lived in and around Copenhagen. And if they were indeed commuting on the bridge from Sweden, which many of them are, I just wanted to make sure that they were in love with Copenhagen. Because when they're in love with Copenhagen, whether they're Danish or like me, or Swedish or German or British or Italian, and we have many nationalities working here, And most of the people working here are, they really like living in Copenhagen. So we want to have that inbuilt concierge, Copenhagen concierge, where they can, you know, the Little Mermaid you can find blindfolded. And maybe even Tivoli, which is right across the street from where I'm sitting now. But the little quirky shop down in Istegad, where two Swedish guys have made a little shop that are selling hats and boots, and they have a bourbon bar at the back. Those, you're not finding those. Or the little Mexican breakout chef from Norma who have opened her own little tapas bar down at the bottom of Eastergate also, where you have to pass all kind of homeless prostitutes and all this to get there. So that whole mix and match of things is what you get when you have staff who are living that in their daily life. They can point you in the right direction. And I think That can exceed expectations of a guest who is looking for something different.
1: And that kind of brings me to my point about like your concierge, like those recommendations that you just mentioned off the beaten path, you know, those things that the locals really do enjoy is your concierge. Can you kind of describe the concierge philosophy? And if someone comes and asks for something, are you going to send them this way, which tends to be the more popular safe route? Are you going to send them this way, which tends to be walking in those neighborhoods and really checking out like, you know, the locals? Tell us a little bit about your concierge and then how they make recommendations in the area.
3: Yeah, so happiness is one of our three values. And you asked her a little bit about them. We've now we've covered conscious luxury a little bit, which is the one in the middle. And happiness is the last one. And happiness reflects us working here as Copenhageners, being a Dane Copenhagener or a sweet Copenhagener, Never mind, because if you live in Copenhagen, you're a Copenhagener. And I want them to tell the guests the recommendations that they have not the top five that we have listed because we as a group think they are the most cool thing to go to. They should tell the guests where they would go for that beer after work or where they would buy that piece of furniture that is done with upcycled wood and whatnot, you know, or find that designer or that little pop-up or startup ice cream shop where these boys, they've found out that they can, out of the brown bananas, they can take the sugar out and they can make an ice cream. Oh, wow. just you know, things like, I, I want them to send them to places like that.
2: That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's what really makes it special. And so we're going to talk a little bit about bucket list items like that in a second. But one thing I definitely want to hit on, Peter, is your executive chef. Speaking of your staff, is it Torre Gustafson? Is that how you say it? I was really, really uh, impressed in reading about him. So tell us about him, about his philosophy, because it definitely feeds into the the overall philosophy of the hotel. And then I also want to hear about your rooftop
3: garden. Yeah, so Thor is, is a Swedish chef who has been uh, around the bush for a while. He's worked in Stockholm and he's quite famous in Sweden and was in Denmark also. So he's been the head chef or the executive chef of a place called Pati down in the meat, meat packing district, which is around three, 400 meters walk from here. His philosophy is very much about giving daily food, daily... In Sweden, you call it the husmanskost cost, which is just your daily plates, giving them a turn and twist but more so making sure that you're following the local seasons. So you will not find a pineapple salad on our menu because there won't be a pineapple anywhere near this hotel. You know? <laughs> so, and then, of course, he can venture out when it comes to flavors and spices. And he likes to say that his cuisine is Southern European with flavors from the northern part of Africa as well. And, and that's very much what he is tapping into and what we are succeeding right now. Most dishes are sharing dishes, and uh, much of it is based on vegetables. So you'll have two people will have maybe five small sharing dishes. You'll not have the big piece of meat. You can get it. You can you have a signature dish, which is a long roasted half head of a pork of a pig. Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming. You just, <laughs> my favorite. You can leave the dinner table there and then you say, oh, that was great. And, and I'm full and I'm good. And then you say, we barely had any meat.
2: And you're still full and that's okay, right? It goes to sustainability as well, absolutely.
3: It does. It does very much. And when we have meat and fish, we make sure that it's, I'm not saying certified the right way, but at least we know the food chain from where it's coming and so on. So yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And how about the rooftop garden? And I hear you actually have honeybees as well, which
2: is we have, incredible. Uh, because we
0: have
3: uh, put in on top of the big ballroom, which is 1200 square meters, we put in a green roof so you know it's basically called, it's called a sedum roof and it's all kind of little things that are growing and, and can survive it's a green garden and the honeybees are finding their way there we have a for the next uh, spring season we'll have collaboration with somebody who's doing rooftop being around Copenhagen and we are going to tap into that and by then chef will have have pots of uh, rosemary and other stuff going on up there also and right next to it we have the lapping pool and the 25 uh, meter lapping pool so it's a a little green oasis in the, in the middle of the city, actually.
2: That sounds like a, definitely a thing to come and see. So anybody can go up there and enjoy the garden and well, that's, that's fantastic. We'll have to get a picture of that on our website.
1: Peter, I know Andy's going to start asking you about some rapid fire questions. But before that, the three courts. you said happiness, a conscious luxury. And what was the third? Contrast. Explain contrast. So contrast is very much
3: making a brand new hotel in an old building wanted to be seen as having our roots in the local neighborhoods, being very Copenhagen, but with an outlook on of the, of the world and having international standards, our way, dare I say in brackets. Then it's very much about having different kind of interior designs. I'm sitting here in a classical Scandinavian looking, smelling, feeling kind of room and then we're down in Brasserie Contrast, where you have the brick walls laid all bare. And on the other side of the hotel, looking at the more classical part of the um, Copenhagen, we have, again, wood paneling, original wood paneling. We have a boardroom where we've barely done anything, but just restored it nicely. So you have new and old. You have different kind of designs. We've, of course, been challenged by somebody who said, but where's the red line in all this? And that's where contrast is so neat to have, because... We don't have red lines here. We don't do lines at all. We like the contrast. We like the number of experiences that you have going through the place. And the way we dress and the team that we employ are from all walks of life, foreigners, locals. Are I'm actually from the provinces, way, way far out of Copenhagen. Some hundred kilometers. I'm not a Copenhagen to the core myself, but I am now because I live here. So you know, we've just open to everybody and try to speak diversity and, and live by it also. Fantastic.
1: Fantastic. So Peter, we like to talk about bucket list items and the hotel. That being one, just going and staying at the hotel. But if you talk to a guest and you're like, you have to do this while you're in the city. What would you recommend, based on your personal experience, that they do, whether it's a restaurant or just a fun activity? You and I, right before we started talking, we talked about Christiania, which to me was an amazing experience. I don't know if it's for everybody, but I loved it. So what would you recommend?
3: I'm a kind of an outdoor person. I think you should explore some of the harbor front, which is right behind you, which has been in some areas cleaned up from an industrial harbor to now basically recreational places. And on the far end of the picture, where, which is behind you, is something called Refsheilöin. And that used to be where we had the marine and everything. And it's a bit more rough on the edges. Street food markets are coming up oh, there. nice, nice. Some old uh, ship wharf buildings are being turned into entertainment places, either for late night salsa dancing or for wall climbing or rappelling or anything in between, basically.
1: There's also right behind me, like right where this picture is, There's also a great World War II museum there. There's a functioning part of our marine is still over there. The queen's or
3: the king's ship, royal ship is mostly docked over there also. You can go there with a harbor bus or you can pass it in a canal boat, which is also on the picture behind you. And then there is of course, Coburn Hill, which is a huge plant where they're burning garbage and reusing the heat from that back into uh, central heating. And on the top of that building, they've made a green uh, skiing hill.
2: Really? Oh, fantastic!
3: Does, how, what's a green skiing hill? They use rollerblades, kind of like roller skis. Oh, you you you're using skis, but it's kind of in the, on a slippery green mat that you're skiing down, and there is a little lift bringing you up. And uh, <laughs> there's a bucket list item for you. <laughs> and you know, skiing clubs in Denmark are queuing to train there, knowing that we will never any any get anybody even close to place number two hundred. in <laughs> <laughs> But never mind. And then I would go very close to where I am now, 400 meters down to the meatpacking district, experience a Friday or Saturday night down there with all the quirky restaurants and bars, seeing people mixing up. Very nice. nice.
2: Well, thank you for all the great recommendations. So we do have
3: our rapid fire
2: questions. And you've lived in Africa. You've lived in Switzerland. You've been to the United States. So you're a world traveler. And so we like to tell our guests to convey to our listeners things about themselves that might help them be a better traveler. So our first question for you is, have you ever completed anything on your personal bucket list? And if so, what was it?
3: I don't really keep a list. My wife has a long one and I'm tagging on to that, but having been working Asia, Middle East, Africa, Switzerland, Italy, my wife is Italian. So I get to travel quite a lot, not only with the job, but still as a multicultural family. And it's just mix as much with the locals as you can. Great, great yes. suggestion. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you really get in there and understand what makes the city the city. Yeah, and what makes the people. I've been invited to Bedouins to break fast during Ramadan up on the north coast of Egypt, and we were sitting on the floor and eating the meal and, and talking to them because they were delivering stuff to the hotel I was working at, so we were invited there. And you read in any guidebook, don't drink the water they serve you. But of course you drink the water. You, you behave <laughs> as a proper person. You drink the water and the tea that they, you play along. You don't come up with all your own little, you don't try to impose your world on them. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. If you could live anywhere in the world for one year, where would it be? Oh, I, lo- I still love Italy a lot. Yeah, for sure. Any particular part of it, Italy? I actually discovered Sardinia two three years ago for the first time. Beautiful. And I've been working and living in many palm tree tropical destinations all over the world. And I was not aware that we had something so beautiful uh, right in the center of Europe ourselves. So uh, that was Fantastic. a funny discovery. yeah. Great.
2: If you could travel with someone either
3: famous or infamous, alive or dead, who would it be? When I was dealing with the intercontinental in Davos, during the World Economic Forum, I really hoped Obama, he would show up because I knew he would stay at my hotel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure.
2: That would be one of mine too. All right. When packing for a trip, what is something you pack that may surprise our listeners? I'm not sure I have any of any surprises there. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You know, we've heard of course crew quite a bit.
1: Corkscrew was what? <laughs> <laughs> flashlight. Uh, people in the hotel was the trouble with the flashlight. What was uh, I forget some of the other ones, but uh, some creative ones.
3: I have no, you know what? Yeah, I tend to bring the coffee press. You know the, the French press. press. There's a great one a French press. Yeah, that's a great one. And I dare not say that as a hotelier, but of course I've become a client of <laughs> Airbnb a lot also. You know, and I've been a host also because we have a house that we do we rent out to Airbnb, and I think sometimes there are things that are missing. Wine glasses is another thing. I rarely bring them, but often you, you check in the place and, and they don't have a proper glass to drink, uh, wine, a glass of wine. So uh, That's
2: very, very important, right? Very important. And you've already given us some great examples of must-dos in Copenhagen, but do you have
3: one more for us? I mean, you have to have Tivoli on your list if you're coming here the first time. I think it's the world's uh, oldest amusement park. They turned 175 years uh, last year, and they've kept themselves relevant in the middle of the city. It's just a, it's just a nice, feel-good, beautiful experience. But Copenhagen has a lot to offer. And, and again, jump on a bicycle and, and find your own way. You might find yeah, something was, I don't It's probably the most friendly uh, bicycling city in the
2: world, I, I think. It's just incredible.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's definitely one of my favorite cities in Europe. I just find it, it's so comfortable for an American tourist who might be a little nervous, but you, you get embedded into just all of European, Scandinavian, and, and specifically Danish culture. It's absolutely just a wonderful place.
3: And you cover it right quite easily. It's not so big, you know. You can easily get a grasp of it, I think. Absolutely. Awesome.
2: So where can listeners go to find more about your hotel
3: and social media or website? Where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, I mean, I think we're doing a good job on Instagram, Villa CPH at Instagram. And, uh, of course, VillaCopenhagen.com. our website. We are still trying to display the hotel a lot there, but we'll go into more neighborhood stories uh, there as we go along, at the beginning, we're only two and a half months old, so it's been important for us to tell a lot about the hotel there. But the wonderful Copenhagen is a website also that is done by our tourism board, and they're doing a fantastic job in showing the great things in Copenhagen, even some quirky ones
1: as well. So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. We look forward to getting over there and checking it out. It, yeah, it sounds like sure. a wonderful and spot. we'd like
2: to thank you for our listeners. Peter has graciously given us a two-night stay with breakfast at Villa Copenhagen, so please go to destination-everywhere.com to sign up and get a chance to stay at this fantastic, fantastic, eco-friendly property. And Peter, we can't thank you enough. We look forward to seeing you in Copenhagen next time we come over. And if you're in Florida, please stop
3: by and say hi. Thank you. You're welcome in Copenhagen. And thank you for all your interest in Copenhagen and we like Copenhagen. Really much appreciate it.
1: Great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. And we'll be right back.
0: Are you ready to book your hotel for your next company event or family adventure? Let AMI help. We have ongoing relationships with all major hotel chains and access to over 200,000 hotels. Why us? We receive special promotions before they hit the open market, meaning significant cost savings to you. Go to destination-everywhere.com and click the source now button and let us get to work for you.
2: Hi, everyone. And we are back and we are about to talk about our top 10 bucket list items to do when you're in the beautiful city of Copenhagen. We've got a lot to cover. So we're going to get started with what Todd mentioned earlier. He's going
1: to tell you a little bit about that bar area. Todd? Yeah. And we're going to go back to Nyhavn. And Nyhavn is obviously the area with the beautiful buildings that are colored that we, we talked about just a second ago. And again, it's probably one of the most photographed areas. And, you know, in the 1960s, this area was actually a red light district. So talk about a revitalization of a community. What used to be in the 60s, the, night, uh, the red light district is now has some of the best foods you can get in the country. And then some of these places are also open 24 hours. So if you're looking for a place to go eat and it's two in the morning and you're just finishing a night out, you could go down there and definitely find something great for your appetite. Great. So that's number one. That's
2: number one. Number two is something that I've never seen before really, really incredible. It is experience, time on the water, on your own parkapelico. Now, what is a parkapelico? It is an artificial floating island that's a public park that actually can be moved around to create larger islands and really, really unique. It's brand new. They have two more planned for next year and nine total. And it really is inspired as artwork to generate questions and curiosity from bystanders walking by. And then you can go on to these floating artificial islands. I have got to do
1: that. And if you just go Google Parkipelago, like an archipelago, which is natural islands, but Parkipelago, Copenhagen, you'll see these pictures of these islands. and it will kind of blow your mind that just the thought that somebody had in putting this together and then making them come to fruition because they're really neat. Some of them are just all wood deck with a tree in the middle that float. There's some that look like they have grass on them. And it's really just magnificent. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So we're going to go from the water back to, you know, when we think of Denmark, there's a term everybody uses in the U S it's it's when we talk about pastries, it's the Danish pastry. And there's a reason We don't say many other countries before they're made, but Danish pastries are just, you know exactly what we're talking about. And so you could actually learn the art of baking a Danish pastry and take a baking class somewhere. So there's places that teach the iconic treat and they bake with a professional pastry chef and you can actually take home some of those skills and it's great for food lovers. So you could go track that down several places in Denmark. Yeah, and then
2: afterwards, after you eat your pastry, you can head straight over to the Carlsberg Brewery. And if you've never had Carlsberg beer, it's it's fantastic. It's, It's a blonde beer that's really, really flavorful. But the brewery is over 250 years old and offers beer tasting. So what a great thing to do midday, late afternoon with your friends. But you can also use it as a unique venue for business meetings and conferences, which our company AMI has done in the past. And the attendees absolutely love the space. It's very, very, very cool. The concept behind Carlsberg by the founder was he wanted to make a very affordable beer for the general public. So his prices were always kept very, very low and made it very, very popular. And he named the brewery after his, his son, Carl, who is actually gifted the little mermaid statue that we talked about earlier to the city of Copenhagen. So what a great gift to the city and some, another great
1: bucket list item to do. Yeah, and I actually have a lot of experience with Carlsberg. I used to, in another life, represent that beer in a certain market in the United States. So it was always a hit, but it definitely, it's a lot more expensive in the U.S. than I'm sure it is <laughs> in Copenhagen. <laughs> but this next experience is really kind of an amazing experience. And it's definitely something that incorporates art and entertainment, social awareness, And then, of course, food, because I think if all of those things kind of represent Denmark, but there is a chef, it's Chef Rasmus Monk. And you can actually go on to his Instagram site and and kind of see some of these creations. But if you go to at Restaurant Alchemist, you're going to see some really cool things. And what they do is complete performances, drama, architecture, visual technology. Diners are encouraged to come with an open mind and enjoy this holistic cuisine it's not cheap. It's roughly about $550, but you do need to make reservations ahead of time.
2: But it's a 50 course menu. <laughs> so 50 courses. If you put it in that context, I think it's actually pretty affordable.
1: But it's, it's not only the menu, it's not only the food, but it's also the entertainment. It's the experience, right? Yeah. So what he does is, so he wants to encourage diners to think more about how food is processed and how it affects our physical bodies. So For example, he will take meat and he will inject it at the table with antibodies. And if you're looking, it's finger quotes antibodies, but the antibodies that they're injecting it with, it's really just like an applesauce. And this brings awareness to hormones that many people put into our food that we then casually digest. They will also take fish and they will garnish the fish with edible plastic to highlight the amount of waste and pollution in the ocean. So It is a really immersive dining experience. Absolutely. But not only just to think about it, you're you're like- Todd,
2: where was that place where we, that immersive experience where we, you
1: know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was in Noir. It was in Montreal. What was it? They they, Everything, they turn off all the lights. They turned off all the lights and you had to eat in the dark. You didn't know what you're eating. All the servers were blind. And yeah, you go in, I think, no, they tell you the map and then you're just hearing things from the servers. They're like- on your left, on your left, on your right. So you know where they're serving from, but you have to touch your food. You have to feel around. Yeah. I think somebody at our table spilt their wine. On me. It was an on amazing... Me. They
2: spilt it on me. It was an amazing dinner. Yeah. A great experience. The clients were happy. It was a good time. Probably a little risky, but you know those immersive dinners and experiences like that are truly unique. And it's definitely one of those things that will make your trip memorable if you go. So this sounds like a great one. Yeah,
1: but that one was great just because it was... I mean, I actually kind of had like an awareness of what a blind person, just for the few minutes I ate, goes through all the time every day. And it's extremely difficult.
2: Yeah, I wonder if that place is still open. Huh.
1: But no, it was great. But this particular dining experience about social awareness with the environment and, and pollution and just what they put in the meat. Yeah, go yeah. check it out.
2: All right, our next one is if you are down on the water but you're really really cold, there's a new Nordic wellness place called Copenhagen and their aim is to provide a wilderness experience in an urban setting. And so it's great for travelers who want to stay warm in the cooler months when they're visiting. And they have outdoor saunas with panoramic views, get this, of the harbors. How much oh, fun yeah, is that? Down,
1: they're down on the water. They'll sit, you know, like you'll see right on a on the pier, there'll be like eight, nine, 10 hot tubs. And each one is your private. You, I think you have to make a reservation maybe 24 hours in advance for that. But yeah, with the saunas and the hot tubs, no matter what time of year, you can be sitting yeah, outside so enjoying it. Yeah, hot, remember, remember. Very easy to remember. There's another really, really cool venue, and it's an old, well, it's now a dried up underwater water reservoir. And now it's turned into an art exhibition. So it's cisterns and it's an old underground water reservoir. Like we said, it once held 16 million liters of water. It's now dried up, obviously, and it serves as an art exhibition and it also hosts various different events. So just another great, unique space that you could check out.
2: Yeah. And here's one that you can get a kind of a two for one off your bucket list is, You can grab a coffee to go at Copenhagen's smallest cafe, which is also touted as the world's smallest hotel because it has one bedroom. So you got to call ahead for that one. But it is located in the Vesterbro neighborhood, right on the border of Fredericksburg with great streets and restaurants. But definitely a bucket list experience if you're looking to check off the smallest cafe
1: and also the smallest hotel. Well, now we're going to go from the smallest to the opulent. The next property that you should definitely check out, even if you go by for one of the many events that they have, is the Nim Hotel in Tivoli Gardens. And this is a five-star, beautiful Arabian style. It has these rounded peaks that look just like if you're watching what's that movie that the kids like? I cannot believe <laughs> it's just kidding. the Me magic too. carpet. No, the magic carpet. <laughs> Aladdin. Aladdin. Oh my gosh. I, I cannot believe that just got out of my head. But beautiful Arabian-inspired hotel. In the middle of, obviously, this gorgeous, gorgeous gardens that are world-known. And they do really cool events. They do an Oktoberfest. They do dinner concerts, crawfish feasts, things like that. So if you have the time, go check it out. Go grab a drink there. Do something and just kind of walk around the gardens. But it's gorgeous.
2: Great. And upcoming in 2022, the Tour de France will start in Copenhagen. So you can actually bike today because the roads are already mapped out. So that's a great experience if you can give yourself a trial test run of what's happening on the Tour de France when it goes through Copenhagen. So definitely think about that. It would be a lot of fun and a great way to see the city.
1: And did you hear it with like the six forgotten giants? Those are they're large wooden sculptures that are hidden throughout the greater area and they follow along the present 19 mile route of the Tour de France that is going to be taking place in Copenhagen. So Really cool. Yeah.
2: And finally, we hosted an event at the old stock exchange that dates back to sixteen twenty five. So it's really, really classic and has it's one of the oldest buildings in Copenhagen. And it's not open to the public but serves as a venue. So if you're doing a private event, it is a great place to do in the city for dinners, conferences, and other events. And so that's the old stock exchange. So put that down on your
1: list as well. We can I want to add one more. You might have I add one more. Sure. Sure. Of course, you know, you ever, like big cities always have these markets, but there is a market in the meatpacking district. They have all these markets there. Uh, so you can just spend an old day walking around the old stalls, complete with shops and restaurants and galleries and underground bars. So if you've got to check out the uh, meatpacking district market. So there's so much to do in Copenhagen. Absolutely. Such a great city. Well, and, and what's so great about it, you know, you could just get a bike or walk because, you know, as Andy mentioned earlier, it's in a small space. All this stuff is in a small space. So you got to go check it out. All right, well, stay tuned. And we're going to be right back with our next guest, Casper Icoroma, who is the co-founder of GoBoat. And we're going to tell you all about that when we get back. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you back in a minute. Hi, welcome back to Destination Everywhere Copenhagen. Our next guest is the co-founder of GoBoat, which is a solar-powered, sustainable boat rental company. And we're going to tell you exactly what that means. So welcome, Casper Eich-Roma. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm uh, brilliant. Thank you. And thanks for letting me in on your show. Kasper's joining us from Copenhagen, actually. Are you in Copenhagen or somewhere else in Denmark right now? I am in Copenhagen right now. Wonderful. And how's the weather there right now?
2: It's
4: the moment as cloudy and cold as as cold.
2: (laughs) So Copenhagen weather.
4: Yeah, yeah. Copenhagen weather, (laughs) but beautiful, of
1: course. (laughs) Yes, of course. And it is one of the most beautiful cities in Europe, for sure. So Casper, we're obviously, when we pick a city, we look for something really cool and different, especially for a traveler that's not from Copenhagen. And go boat is actually something that is so impressive. Uh, Copenhagen has always been known as kind of a leader when it comes to sustainability and protecting the environment. And then, you know, Go boat goes hand in hand with that philosophy. So tell us a little bit about these boats.
4: Yes, let's start with the boats. As you mentioned, they are sustainable and we started them, uh, renting them out here in uh, Copenhagen in 2014. And from the very beginning, it's been a question of making boat rental platform that was, as you mentioned, sustainable, but more as a social project. And that's why we designed the boats with a table in the middle so that people could come together have a good time while sailing on solar, water, and wind energy. That's the basics of it. So the boat are partly built
2: from plastic bottles and recycled PET as well. Excellent. And so where were you when this idea popped into your head? Like, what was the impetus for this happening? Actually, to be honest, I told my, she's my wife now, but at that time my girlfriend,
4: that I went to a summer house nearby Copenhagen to write my final, what do you call it, special exam exam paper, whatever. But actually, I was going there with a friend to uh, have some wine and come up with good (laughs) ideas on what to do in Copenhagen, actually. And then I've always been really fond of uh, being on the water. And it popped up that it was really hard to, uh, you know, get a boat, own a boat. It's, It's expensive. It's hard to find mooring spots in Copenhagen and lots of other places as well. But here, it was impossible to get on the water. And we have so much water in Copenhagen. And it's just it was like the perfect idea. And actually I called my wife the morning after and said, I have this fantastic idea. Aha, light bulb, light bulb. Yeah, yeah. But she was like, you were supposed to write your exam. Wasn't you <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you and came she, with a new job, yeah, sounds like me. Yeah. yeah, but she hung up actually. But now <laughs> she's happy and she's actually working in Goboat now, so she sees it
1: as a good thing. I mean, and absolutely it is, especially in this day and age, you know, sustainability is everywhere. But the boats, who designed the boat?
4: It's my partner in GoBoat. We have three partners, Carl and Anas. And uh, Carl, I knew from high school, and actually, when the idea occurred, I called him straight away because he's an architect with a speciality in, uh, in naval arts. Oh, so wow. actually, he designed that,
1: boats. That worked out perfect.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so it made sense to contact him. And then we had a long session about a lot of talks about what should this boat be able to do? Why do we want to start it? Everything like that. Because if you and when we approached people in the very beginning and told them, look, we're going to start a boat rental. They were like, why? Another boat rental. Yeah, another boat rental. That is the most unsexy thing in the world to do. But actually, we had an idea. And the idea was basically that it's more a social experiment. It's about the aesthetics. That's where Carl comes into the picture because he's, uh, you know, he's been fond of boats all his life. And we wanted to create the perfect environment to sit together in a boat that is simple, easy to navigate and beauty beautiful and, and that's the basics of what we went
2: through so what would you call the style of the boat is there a certain boat that you took it after or is it something completely unique he is inspired carl by different boats i think
4: it's some italian and some swedish boats that he's been inspired from so uh, so it's a boats are boats again so it's hard to make <laughs> yeah. a complete new looking boat
1: and to describe it casper because you know most people are going to be listening to this on a podcast but it's a boat and how many people can fit on it
4: It fits eight people, and there's a table in the middle of the boat, and it's a very uh, light boat, but still very stable, and it's built for everyone to steer it, so it's very, very easy to navigate because it doesn't require a license to rent our boat.
2: So you don't need any experience to get on this boat? No, that's one of sort of what you
4: could say emissions. It's to make water accessible for everyone. Also, people have not tried it before, but to get people to try and just feel the freedom it gives you to be on the water
2: and that control your own boat, basically. Yeah, so how fast can it go? What's the fastest you can get it up to?
4: In Copenhagen, where we limited the engine, the electric engine, to go around
2: three and a half knots. So nice cruising speed, nice and casual. You can drink some wine and not spill it. Yeah, exactly. It's like walking speed in a way.
4: So it's not about speed. It's about being together. It's about safety as well, because if you go fast and you're not experienced, then things could go wrong. So good choice. Good choice.
1: Well, you know, and I was going to say, like looking at it, you don't have a typical captain's chair with a steering wheel. You are steering it with a hand rudder in the back, correct?
4: That is true. And actually a lot of people, they want to have like the, the steering wheel to navigate with, but Actually, we like the steering rod because it's old school and it's like, it's very maritime and it gives you a better
1: feeling of the water and and it's easier to navigate, actually. So when you're renting the boats, how do they rent them and for what time periods can they get them?
4: When people rent boats at GoBoat, it's on an hourly basis. I would say the average is around two and a half, three hours that people rent the boats, but it could vary from a whole day to one hour.
1: And it's solar powered, but does the solar power charge a battery, and then it's on a battery at that point. How long do you have before it actually starts to fade?
4: I think that's also a really good thing to clarify, since people cannot see the place we're renting out from right now. But on the roof of our rental building, it's the roof is completely covered with the solar panels. And those solar panels are charging the boats when it's at the dock. And when they're not, we sell the energy back to the power network. And the roof was enough to charge the eight boats that we started out with. But now we have 44 boats at the dock in in Copenhagen. So that's not enough. So then we made a partnership with Eon, which is uh, Europe's uh, biggest private-owned electricity company, so that they provide the rest of the electricity from sustainable sources, which is in Copenhagen, uh,
1: mostly wind power. Fantastic. So the route that you take on the boat, I've never been to Copenhagen. I'm an international traveler and I, I find you guys. What direction would you give me if I want to go Are are there places to go get food and drinks along the route? Do you have courses planned out, different routes planned out for the guests?
4: We don't plan routes for the guests, but we give advice. I think it's very important that also when you come to GoMeng, which I hope you will soon, that actually that you feel the freedom. Of course, we will make some notes. you get a map, of course, because if not, you would get lost. (laughs) That that wouldn't be good. But we would, of course, give you some advices on your journey and tell you where you can get stuff for uh, get something to drink, something to eat or whatever. But not too much, because you should feel it, because the whole concept is that you should leave your iPhone. You should just be there, disconnect and connect with the people around
2: you and connect with the city surrounding you. And it is a very different city from the water. So, I mean, it's just a completely different experience, right? Definitely.
4: Actually, because what's also interesting
2: is that most of our visitors is the
4: locals doing it again and again because you actually get to uh, revisit your own city, because it is completely different from the water, and it is completely different depending on who you bring in the boat. So that's why we haven't been really hard hit by this uh, coronavirus, because we're not dependent on tourists. We love tourists, and we would love to have them, and we'd love to have more of them. But since it is mainly locals using uh, our boats, in this case, we are lucky, of course.
1: So you started in Denmark, but now you've also got locations around the UK, Australia, and Sweden. So you're growing quite quickly, it seems. Yeah, it's been a fun
4: adventure. And actually the way we grow right now is by license takers. So we provide them with the whole setup with the we've made our own IT fleet management system. Of course, we design and redevelop boats all the time. And of course, the brand and everything. And then basically we get a lot of cities and people riding us every week that they want the concept. Not as much these days, but normally we get a lot of people that want to have Gobo to their city. And then we are still young. So we haven't been like, we could have opened, I would say, 100, 200 places. But again, it's important for us that we do it the right way and with the right people. So in this phase, we've been chasing the right persons to work with. And luckily, we found them in the, in the partners we have right now. That's great. And tell us a little bit, you're also launching CNIX. Tell us a little bit about that. On its very early stage, we are doing the prototype right now, but basically it's something a bit different. It is still water-based. So it is, in a few words, it is a modular-based recreational floating system. So what we've... Discovered throughout the renting out boats the last six years and in different locations is that right now we have prime locations in uh, some of the best cities in the world and we can only operate the boat rental business for half a year because then it gets cold and then we have harbors not only in Copenhagen but also other places that are not that to be honest they are a bit dead in the winter period so there's not that much happening and water is good people should use the water so we've invented this system to sort of exploit the water also in the cold times. So it's basically floating modular systems built on catamaran. its boats, but they can be fitted as saunas, as meeting rooms, as hotels, as whatever. Do they move? Do they have an engine on them? They can have an engine. They can sail because they are certified as boats, but they are made for being plucked in places where they can lie, you know, and serve a purpose there. It could be. Gotcha. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Oh, that's great. Exciting.
1: Good luck with that. I think that's a, that sounds <laughs> novel. No, I know seriously, And that sounds like such a great idea. People like to be near and on the water at all times. And just to give them a different type of experience, I think is wonderful. So now tell us a little bit, you know, you're, you're from Copenhagen, correct? So in this episode, we're obviously talking about all things Copenhagen and, as a local, what can you tell people? What are some of your favorite things to do around the city, like a restaurant or an activity when you're not working? But I'm sure you're probably working a lot these days. But what do you recommend? I would
4: say uh, there's so many good things to recommend. And that's a good thing. So normally, actually, I don't recommend the same ever because I think things change just rapidly. That's only great. And I would say uh, especially the uh, the whole food scene and what's happening there in Copenhagen is it has been extremely, I would say, inspiring and fantastic. And also because you can eat all the time then and try stuff out. But to follow that the last couple of years has been extremely fantastic. But if I should recommend something right now, I would recommend everyone to go to a restaurant called Bar. It's B-R-R-R. So it's two R's. And it's actually, it's Danish food that they take to a new level, like traditional Danish food. And actually it's To the last time I went there, uh, I got something called Wiener Schnitzel. I don't know if you know it, but uh, yeah. 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 I thought that was German. I think it is German. (laughs) But you know, we take some now and and (laughs) then and say it But when I got that, and I'm not lying, I began to cry because it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) food
2: food that makes you cry in copenhagen
4: yeah and uh, yeah and my wife she still thinks it's odd when i start crying about food but uh, i can't can't help it it's It's good to have passion for food yeah yeah it's definitely go there
1: what's one activity other than obviously you know renting a go boat? what's something not the norm where would you say you've got to just go do this it's so cool and obviously copenhagen's the only place you can do this Yes,
4: that's a good question. (laughs) Again, a thousand things pops up in my head. I would say, of course, it's something that you might be able to do somewhere else. But the good thing about Copenhagen is that it's a city that has a lot of diversity, a lot of different people, a lot of things you can do. But it's centered in a very small geographic area. So you can come around. So I would say rent a bike and just go around. Or actually, uh, I did this thing last Sunday. My wife made a surprise for me. And she picked me up in a bike taxi. I hadn't done that for ages and bought me some drinks. And we were just, uh, you know, strolling around. That sounds
2: fun. You can just pick those up on any corner. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent.
4: And that was just a great experience. Just go around and uh,
2: stop at all the places you see and and go in. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for the suggestions, Casper. Casper, we wish you best of luck with... Go Boats, it sounds like a fantastic experience for anybody that comes to Copenhagen. And we hope a lot of our listeners come and visit you when they're there.
1: And where can they find you on social media and keep up with you? It's a hashtag go boat dot, uh, go boat cph. And then I know you also have GoBoat.dk. Yeah. That'll take you to the website for bookings. No, Casper, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, Casper. And best of luck to you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. And hope to see you in real life one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it was just an absolute pleasure speaking to our guest today. And Copenhagen really is one of my favorite cities, not only in Europe, but in the world, for all the reasons we talked about today. So if it's not on your bucket list, I highly recommend it. It's not only great for, to go with families and friends, but it's great for business trips, for conferences, and to hold a meeting. So those are all great reasons to go to explore the city. Todd, what was your favorite thing that we talked about today? Because there was so much to choose from.
1: Obviously, all those things that we, we discussed are very cool. You know, like that park of thing just kind of still blows me away. The way the people in Copenhagen really kind of mix this, the social awareness and the art and the food and the culture I just think it's so neat. You know, you could just walk around and it doesn't stop. Well, I'm
2: glad you said that because I I mean, I think you heard through the entire show about their focus on sustainability. It's one of the first cities that's really focused on it. A major old city in Europe that has done that. And it really is part of the culture, not only from the food, but the entertainment to the lifestyle really has that that focus on green living and long-term sustainability for the future of mankind. So it's another reason why I really, really love Copenhagen.
1: Something else that, you know, it's just, it's, it's proximity to other trips. It's just north of Germany. It's right over the bridge from Sweden. And then, you know, so you could really go in almost any direction and just go into a different world and just extend your trip and go experience something different. One thing I'm really curious about doing is getting out of Copenhagen and seeing the rest of what Denmark has to offer, which, you know, I'm really excited about. Well,
2: maybe there's another show for
1: us. I know. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So that said, it's definitely a place I will go back to. And now it's changed so much even since since I've been there. So I'm really excited to get back and see the new things that it has to offer.
2: So special thanks to all of our guests today. We really, really appreciate Casper from Go Boats, as well as Peter Peterson from Villa Copenhagen.
1: And we also have a couple more people we'd like to thank. We'd like to thank all the people that helped make this show happen. We've got... Chris Jordan, our copywriter, Guy Quattlebaum, who is our content developer, Annie Fernandez, creative director, and of course, the wonderful Lauren Campbell, our podcast producer. So be sure that you subscribe, rate, and review our show on your preferred podcast app or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. So we look forward to speaking with you next time on the next episode of Destination Everywhere.
0: You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit destination-everywhere.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel-worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.